Welcome to Metal Matters, a Gimme Radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hill, and I'll be leading you on this adventure. We'll be getting into deep discussions about classic records, profiles on up-and-coming bands, and interviews with your favorite artists. You can check out new episodes every week, so be sure to subscribe and never miss out. What's up, everybody? Mike Hill here for another episode of Metal Matters. This time around, it's a classic records episode, and we're going to be talking about a record that a lot of you guys may not even be familiar with by a band that you may never have heard of. So it should be a lot of fun. But before we get going on that, I just want to extend thanks to everyone who's been listening. I'm blown away by the kind words that I've read in the comments on iTunes, and I really appreciate that. I'm going to continue to do my best and work hard and keep doing a good job on all this stuff. So uh, once again, thanks a lot. And uh, I'm really touched and moved by that. Back in the murky 1980s, there was a band called Skinyard that uh, sort of set the groundwork for a lot of what was known as the quote-unquote grunge scene in the Pacific Northwest. The record Hallowed Ground stands out, to me at least, as uh, one of their best records, if not their best record. And um, we're going to talk about that record and hopefully turn you guys on to some stuff that you haven't heard before. Enjoy. We were just talking about how... uh, the early 90s Northwest, Pacific Northwest hard rock scene <laughs> was given the term grunge. And uh, you and I are both uh, unclear as to who originated that term. So if anyone out there knows who came up with the term grunge, feel free to leave it in the comments or something like that. Because uh, both Randy and I have no idea who came up with this term. And... <laughs> The term itself actually has almost no meaning, really. They were pleading for somebody yeah. out there. You know, it's just something that we're, we're suspecting that it was uh, somebody in the press who was uh, tasked with the mission of describing this type of music, and he came up with this term. I wonder if it was the same person who came up with the term stoner rock. Yeah, maybe, you know. Another great one. But... uh that that style of music, like that that era, that late '80s, early '90s era of bands, uh, were I, I really like a lot of those bands, and um, yeah, you know, I was you know at the time like heavily into like you know old old school death metal stuff on Earache. I was starting to get into like the Amphetamine Reptile catalog, and um, the stuff from uh, from the Northwest, you know, like Soundgarden, the Melvins, that stuff gave like this interesting twist on hard rock because it was it appeared to me that it was dudes who are into punk into classic rock like you know zeppelin and and uh you know old heavy metal like like uh black sabbath and then also like hardcore music like black flag and yeah and it all kind of mixed together into this like bizarre pairing of um of bands and styles and it all sort of mixes together. Like even the early Soundgarden stuff too. If you listen to uh, their early material, there's like, you can hear like, like a, like a very punk sort of thing going on there. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Were you, were you into a lot of those bands? Yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. I actually have this, uh, 
this thought. <laughs> as far you know, all those not all those bands, but a good number of those bands became very uh, mainstream. They also a lot of them signed to majors. They're very popular, huge, hugely popular. Yeah, I, I I believe that's the last movement of rock music in this country, at least, that'll ever be mainstream. In, in like an arena way. Yes. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, it, that, that's good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I should say that because I mean, I'm sure there's shit out there right now that's considered rock that plays in arenas, but to me, it's fucking garbage. I think a lot of those, I love a lot of those bands. I think they're great rock bands. Sure. And yeah. I don't think there'll ever be another legit rock movement in this country where it's, you know, turn on the radio, you can hear Soundgarden or. You know, Alice in Chains will play at the uh, Comcast Theater or whatever. Right. Um, There hasn't been since, not in my opinion. No, I just think that. I think music in general is so fractured now that I don't. I don't even know who. I mean, who does you know like play these big arenas? Really, (laughs) I don't know. You know, I don't know. I'm sure if someone threw some names out there, I'd probably just shake my head. Yeah. You know, Uh, but yes, I was. I got to tell you know. I started listening to punk and hardcore and some metal stuff, and I that led me to this, you know, like you said, the am- amphetamine reptile stuff, touch and go stuff. Um, so yeah, I was heavily into this stuff in the you know early '90s. So now we were talking about Soundgarden and you know and Alice in Chains, but there's a band that a lot of those guys will cite as being an, a heavy influence on them. That the um, general metal fan or fan of hard rock music is unfamiliar with and that leads us to the subject of this week's classic records and that's skin yard and their classic record hallowed ground some of you guys out there might be thinking well who the fuck is skin yard (laughs) i think a lot of people might be yeah uh part of this um effort that we're doing here yes we are looking to celebrate some of the uh you know, generally agreed upon classic records, but we're also trying to spread the word on cool shit that you and I both are into that some people might not be into, right. but that we ourselves are defining as classic records. And that's what we're going with the Skin Yard Hollowed Ground record. We're going in the back of the closet. Yeah, we're going deep. Going deep. Deep cuts this Pulling time Pulling out around. that old winter jacket you forgot you had. Yeah. So, I mean, Skin Yard formed in 1985 and they disbanded in 1993 and there was like a long hiatus and they released a, a sort of a rarities record like later later on i think 2008 or something like that and um probably the most notable thing is that jack and dino uh was one of the founding members and jack and dino went on to become the go-to recording engineer for all pretty much all these bands that we talked about like yeah. Soundgarden, you know mud honey green river uh yeah, maybe not Alice in Chains, but uh, you know Nirvana, Tad, Tad, Screaming Trees, like all these yeah. seminal Seattle Northwest, you know, would be icons. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And then Jack and Dino also went on to have like a very uh, prolific recording career. We're doing uh, what's the High on Fire record? Did he do it? Yeah, on? yeah. He, it's it seems like he's coming back around, and I, I hear his name a lot. Yeah recording newer like heavy records where there's years that went by that maybe he did record stuff but i wasn't on my radar but now yeah i hear him his name mentioned a lot which is great um i think he's a great producer great engineer um it's great the uh, the other notable thing 
was the first. This uh, Hollow Ground's the second album. Yeah, the first album, Matt Cameron from Soundgarden and Pearl Jam played drums. Huh? Yes. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people that were in this band that went on to do other things. Right, for, you know? for a second. Yeah, definitely. Right. Um, you know, the other guy, the other founding member was uh, this guy, Daniel House, who was um, not 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 the founder of CZ Records, but the eventual owner of that record label. Right. And, uh, you know, CZ was like, you know, a, a 90s sort of staple. They put out a lot of like these kind of underground releases, um, you know, by by uh, Skinyard, they also you know the Tree People, like all these bands that obscure bands that existed in this sort of glow of the '90s. Um, and then the singer was uh, Ben McMillan, who uh, the 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 late Ben McMillan yes. passed passed away. Right, I think in 2008 possibly. And he went on to be the vocalist of a band called Grunt Truck that was on a major label that shared that had members of uh, of the Accused in it too. Yeah, uh, yeah, the guitar player, I believe. And for those of you who listen to the uh, crossover episode, um, you, we cover the accused, uh, you know, pretty pretty deeply on that episode. Skinyard existed sort of in this vacuum, I guess, and they never really got the credit they deserve. I think for being like the uh, laying out the blueprint for what a lot of these other bands, because you know, 1985, that was like before. Right, you know, right, right, just a little bit before all this, like you know, Mother Love Bone and, and all yeah. this other stuff too. Yeah, they laid, they planted a lot of the seeds for what these other bands went on to uh, to reap. And I don't believe, you know, Skinyard never got, they never got signed to a major. Nope, like all those other bands did. Yeah, I mean, before we get into you know our our worship of uh, Hallowed <laughs> Ground, um, Skinyard's career, they released. Um, the, the, the self-titled record in 87 on CZ Records, they appeared on the Deep Six compilation. That was, uh, that was like, it had like Malfunction, Melvin's. Yeah, wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, yeah I didn't remember that, but yeah. Hallowed Ground came out in 88 on Toxic Shock. Fist Size Chunks, 1990 on Cruise Records. And Cruise Records was a uh, offshoot, sort of side label for Greg Ginn, the Black Flag. Right, right. And uh, the majority of their records were on Cruise and CZ records. Um, in 91, they had 1,000 Smiling Knuckles. 93, Inside the Eye. And uh, in 2001, uh, they released a, sort of like a rarities record called Start at the Top. And, um, you know, that included some covers. There's like, you know, Machine Gun Etiquette by The Damned. And uh, Ace Frehley's Snowblind. There's, there's a cover <laughs> of that record on there. So, but now that... Right there. That's a really good, interesting point that this band Skinyard, they dig Ace Freely, and they dig the Damned. Yeah. You know, and I think that back in 1985, like that was kind of like, you know, to be into heavy rock and punk was not, not, they they were kind of mutually exclusive, you know, similar to like we were talking about crossover between punk and thrash. You know, if you liked punk, you kind of weren't into like classic rock. You kind of thought Kiss sucked, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what I mean. Like, I guess with a lot of these bands that later became known as grunge, that's like where you can be into Kiss and Minor Threat and Black Flag. Right. And like Bauhaus, you know what I mean? You Which can is, I think, that's where me and you are at. Yeah, pretty much. That's kind of the kind of people we are. So, yeah. Like, you know. So, I mean, that that's like, you know, pretty, I think people 
have this like you know take it for granted that bands can have um, a sort of broad background um you know and i think skinyard is one of the bands that like put put that concept on the map for a lot of people and i think that laid the groundwork for you know the bands we were just talking about like soundgarden and you know alice in chains though alice in chains is a little bit different because <laughs> they kind of started out as like a cock rock band yeah they did they did you know they adopted the sort of sound i think of these yeah other bands yeah you know no no Nothing but love for Alice in Chains. I, I love Alice in Chains. But however you know, they got to where they got, yeah, whatever. I I, I love Alice in Chains. But I'm not trying to revise like history, you know. What right. I mean? they, let's <laughs> make no mistake about it. They right. started out like wanting to be Guns and Roses and L.A. Guns. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mother Love Bone was pretty glam. Absolutely. Too. They weren't yeah. really a you know quote unquote grunge band. They didn't really have that sound. Yeah. They're, you know, and Mother Love Bone. Prior to that, there was Green River which featured most of the same, a lot of the same members without Andrew Wood. Right. And that had uh, Mark Arm from, uh, who later went on to do Mudhoney. He was the vocalist. Right. You know, and I prefer Green River, actually. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I was aware of them and I've heard some stuff, but you really turned me on to Green River. Um, And it's weird because that was before Mother Love Bone, but that sounded more like the Stooges. Yeah. Like almost what became after. Yep. But they took this weird sidestep to Mother Love Bone, which is like kind of glammy. Yeah, weird. I mean, Green River had like their moments of like sort of. They were like Stooges and like Aerosmith in a weird way. (laughs) And then there was then then some of their stuff was like super dark sounding too. Yeah, yeah. You know, but but that's what I mean. You can't. It's it's. This episode is about Skinyard, but you can't not talk about these other bands because that scene. If you think about the Northwest, like. There's probably there's probably only about forty dudes that played in all these bands. Yeah, right, right. And like if fifty that, bands. If that if that many. Right. You know, there was like guys like changing members, like we were saying, Matt Cameron was on the first Skinyard album. And then he left to join uh Soundgarden full time or to, to form that band or whatever. Brett Martin, who joined the band after Hallowed Ground, um, and he also he appears on the record Fist Size Chunks, he went on to be in the Screaming Trees which was became a huge band and you know that was Mark Lanigan's uh right. band essentially and he's right. you know royalty of alternative rock or whatever you want to call him you know what I mean? <laughs> whatever you want to call it yeah. yeah i mean i think like mark lanigan is like one of these these cats out there who's like you know he's going to be thought of as like like nick cave was thought of i think you know what i mean unmistakable voice very unmistakable voice like you know He's very like his his material now is like very adult. It's like very much like yeah, yeah. you know music for adults. You know it is. I, mean? I I still like it. I mean I like Screaming Trees. I like his earlier solo records more so than his recent ones. But uh, that voice man, it just crushes me every yeah. time I hear it. And thankfully, he's still alive because yeah. not to a go lot, down this road. Dude. A lot of these vocalists for yeah. these all these bands we've been talking about are gone. Yeah. Well. Ben McMillan died of like, like he he had a medical condition. He did, you but know, he, he didn't kill himself. No, you're right. Over true, 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 true. Yeah, but you know, it's it's like that excesses seem to be, um, you know, or and depression or depression as a result of these excesses, right? Sort of leads these people down this dark road where they end up taking their own lives, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, Lanigan's still with us. He is. But when when I say adult music, I don't try to you know I'm not saying I'm not disparaging what he does, but it's like 
like a Mark Lanigan record is appealing to someone who, you know, maybe they've been divorced or something like that. Or, yeah, <laughs> or about through, to be. Or about to be. Or they've, they've <laughs> gone through, like, you know, some a lifetime of misery or something, you know. And, you know, they're in their, like, mid-40s or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he has one of those voices that exudes uh, darkness. Yeah, world-weary, you know, like he's been traveling the, the highways and byways of this old world, you know what I mean? Yeah, man, yeah. And, yeah. uh yeah. Yeah, and I, and I love I love Mark Lanigan. I think he's great, you know. But uh, but yeah, like I was saying, like that scene, um, you know, all those people had their roots in this like tiny little scene of like you know, like I said, maybe like twenty or thirty guys really, and they all right. mixed it up, went out there and did stuff, and and probably while they were doing these things, had no idea that they were going to blow up into anything. No, I don't you know. think that was the intention, really. Yeah, and like, unfortunately, Skinyard never became like a household name, even though their career extended into the '90s. Uh, they somehow just remained obscure, and uh, the record "Hallowed Ground" that we're going to talk about is just as good, I think, as as the best of any of these other bands' records. You know what I mean? I agree. Yeah, uh, this record is uh, incredible. "Hallowed Ground" was recorded at Reciprocal Recordings. In Seattle by Jack and Dino, of course, of course, the guitar player of the band, and who was making a career for himself recording all these bands that we were just talking about. Yep. Um, it was released on Toxic Shock. The runtime is 46 minutes, 13 seconds. And um, yeah, that's pretty much all the particulars about it. Probably a handful of people bought it when it came out. <laughs> you know, their friends, <laughs> family. <laughs> Which is a shame. It's such a good record. Yeah. You know, and also, you got to remember that time in the late 80s, there, you know, it was, in, in some ways, it was better because there were less bands releasing records. Right. But there wasn't like that instantaneous, um, you know, PR like you have now, where there's like you put something online and the whole world knows about it. Right. Like records and news about bands kind of creeped out into the yes. universe slowly. You know what I mean? And a lot of time, the news about bands was when you went to the record store and started flipping through records, you'd be like, oh, what is this? Yeah, and exactly. I mean, that's how, like, the, I remember seeing all those early Tad records and being like, wow, these, these look interesting. You know, I was looking for, like, New York hardcore records or right. whatever. Yeah, but, totally. um, but I would have never found out about Skin Yard had it not been actually recommended to me. And... I spent a short period of time living in the Pacific Northwest in the early 90s. I don't know if you ever knew this about me, Randy. I didn't remember, but yes, you, you did tell me that before. Yeah. So I was living in a town called Bellingham, Washington, which is like approximately 90 miles north of Seattle and about 60 or 45 miles south of the Canadian border. And uh, it was a cool town to live the, in that period of time. What years were you there? Like 94. 293 yeah that's a cool time to be there yeah and um there was one record store in that town called well there's probably more than one but there's the one that i went to called cellophane square which i believe had a it did have a location in seattle too so there was two it's gone now of course yeah because i've been there before recent <laughs> in the last few years we've rolled through town you know and actually we played there wolves in the throne room um, a number of years ago and there was no cellophane square so it's gone and, um, you know, I, I would go into this record store, you know, I'd, there'd be like these like uh, end caps with all this like sub pop stuff on it. And, uh, you know, I tried to play in some bands 
And uh, it was that same thing. There was like maybe 10 guys who played in bands and they all played in bands together. Right. I got to meet everyone. And uh, no one was really doing what I wanted to do, really, uh, which wasn't this type of music <laughs> necessarily. Right. right. But um, but this this one guy recommended this band Skinyard. He played the record 1000 Smiling Knuckles for me first. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. It was like cool guitar stuff on it. And then I went down to Selfing Square and I bought that record. And I saw they had others there. And Hallowed Ground was the second one that I bought by them. And I liked it because it was like a topless chick with a gun on the cover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that immediately caught my eye. So, But that record became my go-to record whenever I wanted to listen to Skin Yard. And, uh, you know, that that was like over the years, that's pretty much the one that I recommend to everyone and that I want to go back and listen to. And I'm going to go as far as to say that some of the stuff on that record has actually influenced my playing and songwriting. I can hear that. Yeah, I mean, there's like a lot of cool like atmosphere on those on that, that particular record. Back when I got into all this stuff, you know, from the Pacific Northwest, I was aware of Skin Yard. I heard the name, seen the records. I never actually bought a record. I may have heard a song here or there somewhere along the way, but it, it was honestly about, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, hanging out at your old apartment. Yeah. When you're like, you like this band Skin Yard. And I'm like, well, I know who they are. But And then you introduced me to this record. So you've had this record on your radar a lot longer than I have. Oh, yeah. But in the short time, I've become kind of obsessed with it. So much so that I don't, I haven't really checked out any of the other. Well, that's not true. I've checked out some of the other records, but they don't grab me like this record does. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's a bad song on this no. record. I go back to it over and over and over. I'm like, oh, I should check out the first record or the third record. And I have, but it just, and they're good, but not, something about this record is special. You know, the, the iTunes version or the version on Apple Music is missing one song. I thought it had an extra song. No, there's a song called Wither. Oh. That's not on, I believe it's not on the Apple Music version. I probably have that version somewhere else. Though. Yeah, Wither is on the, the CD version that I have. Which is like, and that's like one of my favorite well, songs. I, yeah, you know, I'm me being lazy. I, I have, uh, you, you can't just usually go to a record store and find this record. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly hard to find. It's probably completely out of print, really. It is, but I mean, one place you can find anything is Discogs. Right. And I have been on there many times and about to pull the trigger. I need to own, I don't own this. I'm ashamed to say. Okay. I'm doing a podcast about this classic record. No, but you can appreciate something and I don't, you don't own. I don't own sure. it. Yeah. But I will, I will own it. Maybe I'll, for a Christmas present to myself. Buy yourself this record. Yeah, because you can get uh, vinyl and CD copies relatively, you know, for tw- twenty bucks or. That's 20, how much they're going for, and like thirty bucks. Yeah, that's not bad. No, it's totally worth it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you won't you won't get much with this record. You'll get the record and a sleeve right, and the cover. Right, right. That's basically it. Like that's okay though. Yeah, but these days, you know, people want like a download card and like a fucking gatefold yeah, and well, the book and all these. That's things. That's because uh, don't get me started. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like that stuff. <laughs> I like that stuff too, but the most important thing is the what's on the record. Totally, yeah. I mean, to describe this record, it's um, if you know, I'm sure there's probably a small minority of people out there who've actually familiar with this band, or or maybe maybe not. Maybe there are people out there who know who they are, but it, it is you can hear the beginnings of what those bands like Soundgarden and Alice in Chains were doing. This kind of slow brooding, very heavy. The guitar tones are different. You can tell, I mean, you can tell Jack and Dino is playing like a single coil, like maybe a Stratocaster or something like that. 
you know, with a lot of delay on it and like, you know, reverb and, uh, you know, a little chorus maybe. And um, if I were to, if someone pressed me to say, what does it sound like? I would say if you took Led Zeppelin and like Fields of the Nephilim and like sort of aggregated those two bands together, that's kind of what I feel like um, Skin Yard would sound like. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad description at all. For some reason, though, when I listen to this record, a band that pops into my mind a lot is Jawbox. Really? Interesting. Yes, a huh. lot. Okay. Some of the vocal delivery, guitar sound, just the song, songwriting. All right. Um, I mean, because, I mean, this record, too, uh, before we scare people away talking about Alice in Chains and stuff, this is a dark record. I think. It's oh, a very yeah. dark record. Very dark record. No, yeah. you know, it's not a death metal record. It's not no. dark. Like, that's not satanic. It's just... Uh, what's a good way to describe it? The well, dark, how that's, why I, that's why I factored in, like, Feels of the Nephilim. Okay, Because yeah. it's like... It's like if you listen to, like... Um, what's that? That record, Zune, which is, like, a more metal, industrial right. record by them. You know, there's, like, um, like a real heavy vibe, like, of, of sadness and, like, remorse and despair... And all that good stuff, um, you know. And the guitar, the guitar work is very—it's um, got a lot of reverb on it. It's like cavernous sounding, and it's got the atmosphere of like a death rock yeah. or a classic goth record. But it's neither of those things. But it's heavy. It's a heavy rock, heavy metal record, though. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But job, I'm telling you, man. This, uh, especially track two. I don't want to jump ahead here, but open fist. Reminds me so much of Jawbox. Wow. Um, and I know you're probably not the biggest. No, Jawbox I like them. Fan, I do. But, I but like they, them a lot. Actually, a lot of people. Well, all right. A lot of people think jo- they get job. First of all, they get Jawbox and Jawbreaker confused. Two apples, apples and oranges, man. 100%. Although they toured together. Yeah. It, apples and oranges. Jawbox is has a the same sort of darkness to a lot of their stuff. They're not that they're a dark band. They're not. But they're also not a happy band. Nope. They're not a poppy band at all. Um, and, you know, they were on Discord Records, so a lot of people think, oh, you know, it's got that whole stigma attached to it. But right. Jawbox was also on, uh, I believe they were on one of the Dope Guns fucking in the streets compilations. See, that, like, I, I equated them more, because they did a split with that band, Tar. Tar right, and they toured like, with them as they well. They toured together. That's where I, I saw them in Tar play together. Yeah, I think we were at the same Probably, show. Probably, yeah, in the Middle East or didn't something Didn't talk like to that. each other. Yeah, well, you know, we didn't know each other, really. That's great. Before I knew you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's like, that's it's so interesting to hear to talk about this record and we and to to hear you say that because I think that's I can see it, yeah. But it's not something I would have initially like went to. But I think that's what's cool about this record, man. Yeah, is it you can hear a lot of different things, the things you wouldn't normally think of until someone else says it, and you're like, oh, like the feels of Nephilim thing. Like, yeah. Now you saying that, I'm like, yeah, but yeah. I never thought that. Uh huh. You know? And this band to me, this band too would have been. Right at home on Amphetamine Reptile, totally. which people have heard me and you gush for yeah. years about Amphetamine Reptile and the you know that noise rock scene. But to me, this band would have been right at home on that label, would not have been out of place at all. Um, so that has a heavy, like, you know, we're using those words again, but like noise rock, um, heavy element of that on there. I mean, that's one of the reasons I like it so much. Yeah, yeah, and and no one was into this shit at this juncture that it came out. If you think yeah. 1985, or uh, this album came out in 1987, right? It, well, what did I say? 88, I think. Uh, Hallowed Ground, 88. Okay, so ni- 1988. All right, Danzig, 
was a big record. Yep. Yep. Um, Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge. huge. Right? Huge. And then, like, Metallica. I think uh, the Injustice for All record was somewhere around that. Maybe Justice yeah, for All. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it yeah. was Justice for All, yeah. So, the cult love, yeah. you know, was... A, that's not what this shit is, man. And like, yeah. those are like the big hard rock records. You know right, what I mean? Right. And underground wise was like, not this either, man. Like in the no. underground world, no one was, you know, this is like subterranean basement, sub basement stuff. <laughs> like I, like I, when I said, and I was kidding around earlier, but I wasn't really kidding when I was like, when this record came out, they probably sold a few of their buddies, you know, right. some of the other bands they toured with or were friends with. And that was it really. That's a, that's a good a question I had for you. I couldn't find out a lot of information on this before we get into the actual record. Did they tour? I read somewhere that they did a tour. You know what I mean? Like a full, full And it was like, that's actually prompted one of the members to quit the band. That's how bad it was, apparently. Which is, I hate, I know. I was, I've been through tours like that too. <laughs> Never heard that story before. Yeah. Um, actually, the drummer on this record, apparently he quit the band you know, and I'm not going to be, you know, I might be wrong with, based on some of the research I've done. And it might it might be one-sided research from some member yeah, sure. disgruntled or whatever. That happens? Yeah. But uh, apparently the drummer left after the tour for this record because it was, you know, so brutal and hard, which is not surprising because, you know, I, I remember being that age, you know, a young man. And I'm like, oh, cool. This record label is putting out our album. Awesome. It got a review of Maximum Rock and Roll. Wow, this is great, you know. Then you go out on the road and no one knows who the fuck you are because <laughs> no one has your album because it's only available in certain places and you're playing in like, you know, Lansing, Michigan, or, or actually that would be a good place for a band, but like, you know, you're playing in uh, Canton, Ohio or someplace, <laughs> some nowhere. Or uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. Yeah. Some in the of basement these, of an antique store. Yeah, you know, like Maybe. a place like that where there's no no kids that like this kind of stuff. And that, if you play like three weeks of shows like that, that would crush your spirit. And then when you get back to Seattle, you probably are like, you know what, man? I think I'm going to gonna get a real job and, <laughs> you know, go back to school or something like that. And and that, and that that's when, um, you know, that prompted him to leave. So <laughs> so they didn't, so they toured, but they they went, did their own tour. They weren't on like a... No, opening no, for someone or anything. No, we're right. talking. We're talking. They're on toxic shock, dude. Yeah, not, I know. you know. I, I mean, it's like it's sad, but it's true. I mean, yeah, you know. And toxic shock was like they put out COC. Um, they put out a Tree People record, a band I really love. If you, you know, it's an old Doug March uh, record by a band rather who went on to do Built the Spill. Yep, he went and uh, the Halo Benders. Oh yes, yep, right. Um. You know, the Daglo abortions are on Toxic Shock. So none of these were like, you know, except for maybe COC, who, you know, they went on to become, you know, whatever. Right. They had major label records out eventually. But, you know, this wasn't like, um, you know, you weren't you weren't on a, like Sub Pop. Or like a, say a label. And actually, Sub Pop doesn't even, in 1988, they weren't bare a fucking idea, man. Well, that's what's funny, too, is you think like this band, oh, they had to have an album on Sub Pop. They, did, they had a single yeah. on Sub Pop. A single. But not an album. Nope. But in my opinion, this album, if it was on Sub Pop, would be probably in my top, definitely in my top five yeah. Sub Pop releases ever. I mean, arguably, and, and I believe this too, if it was on Sub Pop, this Skinyard would have gotten signed to a major. 
Probably. Yeah, because they, were like they a had a great vocalist. Crowd. They had excellent songs. You know, I mean, I just think that I don't know what the fuck happened. Maybe one of the guys like fucked Jonathan Poneman's girlfriend or something <laughs> like that. Or who knows, dude? But like, maybe there is some. I don't know why they never got to be a massive band. Well, and Indino recorded so much of that early sub pop shit. You figure it's yeah, of yeah. It could have been like, hey, yo, do me a favor, you know, put yeah. out this record on our fucking label, will you? you yeah. know? But it's like he, but it just didn't happen, man. And, I, and to this day, it's baffled me. Yeah, me yeah. too. That's why you know, that's why I brought it up. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But hey, do you have any favorite tracks on this album? Yeah, all of them. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I do think the whole record is great. I don't yeah. think there's a weak song on the record. No. Uh, I'll go three to one. How's that? Yeah, man. My third favorite song is the first song, "Stranger." Okay. Uh, just, just great great first track great opening track punches you right in the face my uh second favorite is in the black house oh, dude. which is the song you played for me that introduced me to this record yeah great song but my favorite is track two open fist nice okay. and that's the song i really really get the jaw box vibe from. i could see that on that particular track definitely you know my, I'm going to give you my favorite because The Stranger is actually my third favorite. And my favorite is In the Black House. That is the standout record. Like if, I, if I'm if i like, you know, I, mean, I want to listen to, I want to listen to a Skin Yard song. That's I it. Put on In the Black House. It's just such a dark, like, that song is like just darkness, man. Straight yeah. up. It's yeah. just depressing, heavy. It's got such like, um, it's, a, it's, it's like, you know, Peter Murphy and like, Right, fucking Led Zeppelin or something like that, man. It's, <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. I, it sounds weird, though, right? Yeah, totally, though. And the song "Wither," that one, I don't have. It's, that. See, that's not that's not on the Apple Music version. I, yeah, I gotta say, I don't. Yeah. know that song. That's gonna be the the um, "Wither" is gonna be the outro for this episode. So if you guys are listening, stick it out to the end, and you'll hear it because it's you're not gonna hear it on Apple Music. So you're gonna hear it here. Metal Matters Classic Records only. <laughs> So, yeah, it's that song. It's like once again, man. I feel like Ben McMillan has like this like subtle like Robert Plant thing a little bit, you know, with yeah, his voice. I can, hear that. I can hear that. But yeah, you like, but that's what I mean. There's so many aspects to this thing that. But I wouldn't think that if you didn't say. Exa- it. That's what I'm saying, man. Right. But on this song, he has a very Robert Plant thing going on. But the music itself is like like a death rock song. Right. It's, it's fucking so good, man. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's like those two tracks. Brilliant. So, I mean, you know, anyone out there, you, you know, you, you, if you want to broaden your horizons, man, look this band up, you know. And if you can, find the, uh, the vinyl or the CD because it does have that extra song on it. Okay. You know, or maybe you could find a download somewhere for free on some blog or whatever. Even better, if someone out there owns or runs a record label that wants to lose a ton of money, they should reissue this record. You know what, I man? I think that, that the fact that Jack and Dino, this is his band, basically, that might have some, some pull. Yeah, I'm just being an asshole. But yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I would love to, you know, do that, but I don't run a record label and don't know how to. But uh, that would be amazing if someone would reissue this and maybe and Dino could, you know, put his 
remix it or something yeah, like that. Yeah, not that it needs it, no. but yeah, you know, remaster it at remaster least, maybe it. so it's you know a little little louder or whatever. But uh, that would be great because they're just like a forgotten band, and this record in particular, I think, uh, could use the reissue treatment. Right on. Well, there you have it, people. Skinyard, Hallowed Ground, another entry into our classic records here on Metal Matters. You've been listening to Metal Matters, a Gimme Radio podcast. We'll be back next week, so be sure to subscribe and never miss out. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Radio via web, iOS, or Android for one of the best metal communities in the world, exclusive interviews and merch, and so much more.